I've done so much wrong in my life that I don't deserve God's healing. I don't. You know, if I lived for a hundred years and served God every day of my life, I wouldn't even come close to making up for the things that I've done against Him. To making up for the evil that I've done in my life, to make up for every time that I have disrespected Him, every time that I've turned my back on Him and rejected His love. I don't deserve His love. I don't deserve His healing. You know, I, I don't deserve to have the life I have now. I mean, if you guys knew who I really was on the inside of now, then I don't, you'd know that I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve to have this amazing wife that I have. I don't deserve to have the awesome friends and, and family and church family that I have. I don't deserve to, you know, raise these kids. I don't, I don't deserve any of that. I don't deserve his healing. It it's, <laughs> blows my mind when I think about him. When I look back at my life and I, and I think about all the, the times that, that he reached out to me with his loving arms and I slapped him away. Just like an angry toddler does. Except I was a grown man. You know, when your toddler's just in a mood and, and you reach out your hands and you're like, love me. I provide for you. I take care of you. I feed you. I protect you. I, I created you. Love me. And they're like, no. Chocolate. You ungrateful. Little thing you. And they don't deserve. This is a big statement. They don't deserve for us to keep coming back by the way that they've acted towards us, do they? And yet we do. Every time. Until they're ready to come crawl up in our lap. And then we just sit there and receive it, don't we? Oh, I knew you loved me. I knew you did. And I think about how God is that to the umpteenth degree. How is a grown man that should have these things figured out to do the same thing? God's like, I love you. And I'm like, sin! And I run away from him. And he waits so patiently for us to come back to him. And he loves so purely without demanding anything in return. He pours it out over and over. I look back through my life sometimes and I see all the times that he just showed up and just showed off in my life time and time again. And you know how much of it I deserved? Not a single drop. Not a single drop. And I still don't. And yet still he provides. Still he feeds. Still he protects. Still he heals. There was a time in, in my life that a sinner like me finally came and fell at his feet. When I had exhausted all the resources of the world and said, Lord, help me. 
And a long time ago, in an odd situation, Jesus Christ reached out with his nail-scarred hands, lifted me from the muck and the mire of my life, the glide of his glory into my soul, and saved me from an eternal damnation. Can you say amen? And after that, I could never with a straight face ask him for another thing. Because he has done more for me already. Already. Than the culmination of all the blessings that the world could ever muster. I mean, I couldn't with a straight face ever ask him for anything more. And yet that's what he wants. You have not. Because you... Those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those that knock, that door gets... Praise God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me open the door and see what's on the other side. For those of you that weren't here last week, that might not make much sense. But for those that knock, the door gets open to them. Whether you deserve it or not. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? I'm in the book of Matthew in chapter 15. Starting in, you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you what was going on in the life of, of Jesus and his disciples before this scripture starts. Can I do that? Can we do some context this morning? Can I teach you something? The book of Matthew in chapter 15, before the scripture I'm preaching on starts, Jesus is talking, uh, Jesus is actually approached by Pharisees and scribes that asked him this, why do, your, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? And Jesus said to them, why do you break God's commandments with your tradition? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesus said this to them, he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching doctrines, teaching as, as God's made doctrines, human commands. Does that make sense? They're teaching human doctrines as God's, God's commands. And he said, listen to this. No, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. And the disciples said, do you know that the Pharisees took offense to what you just said? And Jesus said, every plant my heavenly father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind guide the blind, both of them fall in a pit. And then Peter said, explain this parable to us. And then Jesus said, do you still lack understanding? And then he said a few more things, but then he took them on a trip. Right after that, he took them on a trip. That's where we start today. Book of Matthew chapter 15 verse 21, the Bible says this, when Jesus left there, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came and kept crying out, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter, my daughter's severely tormented by a demon. And Jesus did not say a word to her. Nothing. 
His disciples approached him and urged him. They urged him, send her away because she's crying out after us. And he replied, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But then she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. And he answered, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He's mean, huh? But not to the woman. Hold on. Hold on. Hold your judgments till the end, please. Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she said. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus replied to her, woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was. Her daughter was. I said, her daughter was. Lord, today I pray that we get it. That we get that your healing is for us. That your healing is for them. That your healing is for the rich and powerful. That your healing is for the poor and the weak. That your healing is for the black and for the white. That your healing is for every person that would fall at your feet and say, Lord, help me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Yeah, let's give him praise this morning. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. All right, put that map up there, guys. So people usually end this sermon like this when they preach it, if they, if they even cover this part. A lot of people don't, but I want to. And then if usually preachers end with this part, but I want to start with this part so that you can shift your perspective a little bit, okay? So the Bible where I was talking about him talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, they were in Jerusalem. You see Jerusalem? Right? Right there in the middle of Israel. Smack dab in the middle of Israel, Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem. He departed from there. And he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, all the way out of the country. Right? He walked all the, he walked with his sandaled feet from Jerusalem north, all the way out of the country into, into Phoenicia, into Cinco Phoenicia, right? Into Gentile territory, into places where Jews ain't even supposed to go. He walked with his 12 disciples all the way to the region, somewhere in between Tyre and Sidon. Walked all the way up there with his little disciples following him along like the lemmings that they are, right? Following right behind him like little ducklings. All the way to Tyre and Sidon. Now, we know that he met this woman while he was there, right? Do you know what else he did? After he walked all the way to Tyre and Sidon. Do you know what else he did while he was up there? Do you know what great teachings that he delivered? Do you know what other incredible healings and miracles that he poured out? None. Do you feel the weight of that? They walked all the way up there. He met that woman. He healed her daughter. He did nothing else the next scripture says that he left from there and went back to Galilee he went there just for that moment alone 
He walked all that way just to see her. He walked all that way just to drive that demon out of her daughter's life. He walked all that way to teach his disciples something. He walked all that way just for that moment. And I want that to change the perspective of how you view the rest of this scripture. I want you to know that he was there just to see her. You know why? Because he knew her already. You know how he knew her already? He hadn't met her in the flesh before. No, 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 no. He knew her because he formed her in her mother's womb. He knew her because he crafted her for a purpose and a calling and a mission and a truth that she was going to display even 2,000 years later right here, right now. Can you say amen? And you think he won't come find you where you're at? He walked all the way to Tyre and Sidon to find her. You think he won't come find you? You think he won't come find you in whatever back alley you find yourself in? You think he won't come to whatever church service that you manage to meander into? You think he won't go through hell and high water to come and find you right where you are? Come on, somebody say amen. He will. Say he will. He will. He'll go wherever it takes. He'll go wherever it takes. You know, not only do toddlers slap your hands away, but when they put something in their mouth, they turn into Usain Bolt. And they are gone. But won't you chase them? Won't you chase them wherever they run to for fear of losing them? For fear of losing them. Oh, God, he's going to choke. I'm after him. I'm after him just as fast, no, faster than they are. And how many times has he chased us down like that? And the faster we run, the more omnipresent that he is. Can you say amen? So look at this scripture, man. Let's talk about this. Who was this woman? I mean, who was this woman, this, this woman that comes and, and that Jesus walked all this way just to see? Who was she? Was she special? Was she royalty? Was she some kind of, uh, you know, prophetic, I don't know, gifted oracle or something like that? Or No? Did she turn into some great evangelist like the, the lady at the well? No? Did she become one of his followers like maybe the woman that was called in adultery did? She, did she do that? No. She was a Canaanite woman, a Gentile, not part of the, the tree of Israel, you know, not, not part of the covenant people that he was originally, that he was specifically sent to during his earthly mission. Not only that, she was a Canaanite woman. That means she, she was cursed. She was under the curse. See, the Canaanites were actually supposed to be wiped off the face of the earth. That was what God had commanded the Israelites to do, is just destroy the land of Canaan, destroy the Canaanites. They failed at that. So this lady is a Gentile, you know, not part of the line, the lineage of Israel. She's a, a Canaanite. She's under a curse. She should have been destroyed. And yet here she is. You know what else she is? She's a loving, desperate mother. And I'll tell you what. For my money, I'm not sure that there's anything more powerful on the face of this earth than a loving, desperate mother. Because if they're filled with love and desperation, I'm telling you what, they will do anything and everything. They will fight any battle. They will overcome any obstacle. They will persevere any torment to see their child healed. And that's a fact. And so that's who this woman was. That's who she was. 
She was a Gentile Canaanite, but she was a loving, desperate mother. What'd she do? Well, she came crying, right? She came crying. Have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter's tormented by a demon. She wasn't silent about it. She was loud about it. But listen to this. She called him son of David. She knew that he was the Jewish Messiah. So not only did he know her, this is where it gets good. She knew him. She knew him. She knew who he was. She done heard about what he'd done, and she believed it. She believed it. So she believes that he's the son of God. She believes that he's the one that's sent to break the chains and heal the wounds and make everything okay. She believes in him. And not only that, she calls him Lord. You know what that means? That she has surrendered herself to him wherever he may lead. Lord, son of David. Oh, wait, I'll talk about that at the end of this service. She believes that he's the son of God, and she calls him Lord. She surrendered her life to him, whatever he wants to do with it. That's what she's done. She believes. She surrendered, and she's cried out for help. Does that sound familiar? Oh, my gosh. And what did she want? She wanted healing. She wanted deliverance. She wanted life. So listen, if you want healing, you go to the healer. Somebody say amen. If you want deliverance, you go to the deliverer. If you want life, you go to the source. The source of life. And that's where she went. To the source of life. She cried out after him. Jesus, son of David. Help me. But we'll get to that part later. And Jesus, of course, responded just like we know Jesus always does, right? And he said, uh, nothing. Nothing. Now, this is a stark contrast from the last time that I preached, right? So I preached to you about the ten lepers, and the ten lepers said the exact same thing, almost verbatim. To the son of David, Master, have mercy on, have mercy on us. And he said, Go and show and be healed. Immediately, immediately. Go and show and be healed. This time he doesn't say anything. It's such a stark contrast. And yet the purpose is the same. The purpose is the same. And so then the disciples come up. Oh, bless their hearts. Let me say this first. You know, Jesus says nothing to the woman, but understand this, that a delay is not always a denial. Sometimes it happens right now. Sometimes you gotta... Yeah, come on. You remember. Sometimes it happens right now. Sometimes you gotta... You got to wait for it. Sometimes it happens right now. Sometimes you got to wait for it. She had to wait for it. She had to wait for it. And then the disciples come up to him and they urge him. The Bible says they urge him. They urge him. Jesus, Master, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. I want to focus on one word in this scripture. Right, right here. I want to focus on one word that, that really blows my mind. Right here, it's in, it's in verse 23, 
And they said, send her away because she's crying out, because she's crying out after us. I want to talk about one word that really conveys all the problems that we're having today in our society, that conveys all the problems that we have in the church, that conveys all the problems that we really have in the world and every problem that the disciples were going through right now. It only has two letters and it goes like this, us, us. Jesus, send her away because she keeps crying out after us. Wait. I I didn't hear her say nothing about Peter. I didn't hear hear her say a word about James and John. I didn't hear her say nothing about Nathaniel or Philip or Bartholomew or either one of the Judases, for Lord's sake. She wasn't crying out after us. She wasn't after them. She was after him. Can you say amen? She didn't want nothing to do with them. She just wanted him. And I think that's the problem that we have a lot of times today. We think that God's people need us. Hey, they need me. Man, I tell you what, if you came here to hear me preach or hear JR sing today, I hope you're sorely disappointed. But if you came to hear a word from the Lord, I hope that you get filled up and gratified and satisfied because that's where it all comes from. Can you say amen? I hope you get satisfied because that's what this is about. It ain't got nothing to do with me. It ain't got nothing to do with him. It's all about him. Can you say amen? Amen. It ain't nothing to do with us. Send her away. She keeps crying out after us. And Jesus is probably like, us? She didn't say nothing about y'all. She keeps crying out after me. And she's bugging y'all. I mean, she came to talk to me. What, what what, what, What kind of skin you got in this game? us golly she came to get healing from them she came to get healing from him but then he replies quite unexpectedly he says I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel right yeah I mean that's the doctrine that they teach right that the Messiah just came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And some people say this was mean, but I need you to understand. He knows her. He knows her. And she knows him. And he knows what she's going to say before she even says it. He knows how this whole thing's going to turn out. You know, whatever you're going through in your life right now, he knows how it's going to turn out. It's not going to be a surprise or a shock to him. He already knows. And I know we get caught up in the middle, don't we? We get caught up in the middle. We get caught up, but he knows. He knows how this whole conversation is going to turn out because he knows this woman. He knows her passion. He knows her zeal. He knows that she's not going to stop. He knows her perseverance. He knows that she's going to tear through every one of these arguments to get exactly what she desires from the Lord. And he already knows he's going to provide it. So he's using this moment to teach these fellas that he's about to hand his ministry off to how to love God and how to love people. And so he says, man, I was, I'm sorry, but I was only sent to the, the lost sheep of Israel. And he does speak truthfully. That was his primary mission, was to bring salvation first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. First to the Jews, 
then to the Gentiles. So he speaks truthfully, but he knows that that won't stop her because he can see the passion in her eyes. She doesn't get offended, and she doesn't give up. She perseveres. And she does something that none of them expected. She comes and she kneels at his feet. And, and, and the Bible uses the word for prostrate, right? In, in, in the Greek, it's that word, that word kneel or, 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 or falls down. It means prostrate. It means that she got prone, that she kneeled on her face before the risen king. And then from deep in her heart, she manages three words. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And I'm telling you this right now. That's a short prayer. It's a very short prayer, but there's more power in those three words than if you recited the entire Bible or if you spoke the Encyclopedia Britannica in tongues, if you mean it. If you mean it. If you fall before the Lord and you cry out, Lord, help me, and you mean it, there's more power in that than there is anything on the face of this earth. And the, and the super legalists will say I'm being unbiblical and the super charismatics will say I'm being unspiritual. But I'm telling you I'm right because I've lived it. I've lived it. I've had that moment in my life where there was nowhere else to go. There was no other help to be had. I'd exhausted every possibility. I'd burned every bridge. There was nothing else. Nothing else but to fall at his feet. And from somewhere in here, not, not here, not, not here, but somewhere in here. And, and I'm, not even, I'm not even sure the words even would make sense to people. But that's what it is. It's just, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I've got nothing else. I've got no one else. There is nothing but you. Lord, help me. And he does. And he does. Every time. And if the healing, listen to this. If the healing doesn't happen right then, the healing process started right then. He does. He helps. He shows up. He does what he does every time. Lord, help me. Help me. And then he answers her. It isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wait, what? Dude, after this great display of faith, and I just told you that this works every time, and this is his response. Yes. He knows her. He knows her. And she knows him. In this moment, I think that she knows him better than the 12 disciples do. And I know that she knows him better than the Pharisees that he was just talking to in Jerusalem that have been studying about him their whole life. Do you know there's a difference in knowing about God and experiencing God for yourself? 
you know all kinds of things about God. But if you've never experienced God, then you're missing it. And, and don't, don't get me wrong, I think the Word of God is one of the best ways to experience Him. And, and we need to know who He is. And this is, just, this is His autobiography. He wrote this all about Himself. So if you want to get to know Him, this is a good place to start. But there's a difference in knowing about Him and experiencing Him. And this lady's right up at His feet. He knows her better than she knows herself. He knows her better than her husband knows her. He knows her better than her demon-possessed daughter knows her. He knows her better than her parents know her. And you know what? People may say that he said something mean to her, but you know what? Here in just a couple of years, he's going to go to the cross to die for her. Because he loves her. He loves her. And then she says one of the most incredible things. That is ever said. You know, let me give you a little more context. It's, it was common for the Gentile people to, I mean, the Jew, Jewish people to call the Gentiles dogs, right? It's just what they called us. Because we didn't know how to act. We didn't know how to live. We didn't know how to do. Right? We just pretty much acted savage like dogs did. But they had two words for dog in the, in the language they were using at the time. And the one that the Gentiles would use, to, I mean, the ones, excuse me, the ones the Jews would use to talk about us Gentiles was the word that, you, that we would use for, like, big, ugly, junkyard dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, like big, ugly, like, like mutt dog, that, that stray, that's out there causing trouble. Like, that's what they would call us. But Jesus doesn't use that word. He uses the word that would be best be described in our culture as, like, little playful lap dog. And so Jesus is like, it's, it's not right for me to... To give the bread from the children's table. They're the bread from the table for the children to the dogs. And the, Jew, the Jews, the disciples that were Jewish were like, yeah, Jesus. Wait, what? That's the wrong word. That's the wrong word. Because, you know, here's the thing. It's, it's really not right for us to take the food that we had made for our children and give it to our dogs, is it? But I'll tell you this. If you love your dogs, they still get fed, don't they? Every day. I know that big, ugly dog my mama's got gets fed every day. Probably better than most people. But she feeds her grandbabies first. She'll feed her grandbaby first, but then she feeds that dog, I'll guarantee you. Our dog gets fed. Fed good. Fed good. Fed good. And so Jesus says it's not right to give the bread from the, from the master's table to the, to the dogs. And then, like I said, she says one of the most incredible things that has ever been said in the world. She says, yes, Lord. Can you imagine? Yes, Lord. Do you know what that statement means? Lord, I know that I'm unworthy. I know that I'm unworthy. I know that I, I have no right to this. I know that, that you're not under any obligation to do this for me whatsoever. And yet I'm coming to you broken and desperate and yet hopeful. I mean, how many times, and asking anyway, right? And how many times have you come to God knowing you're unworthy? 
knowing that you have no business even being there, knowing that he's under no obligation to do anything for you, and yet here I am, Lord, broken and desperate and hopeful and asking anyway. Can you say amen? Yes, Lord. Yes, I'm all that stuff. I'm everything in that description. I am. I am. I'm broken. I got no business being in your presence. I probably shouldn't even be this close to you. But here I am at your feet, broken, desperate, but hopeful, and asking anyway. Asking anyway. Asking anyway. And then she says this. Yet even the dogs... Even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She's not asking for a meal. She's not asking for a loaf. She's just asking for a crumb. Just a crumb, please. Just a crumb, please. But do you know what the beautiful thing is, White Church, everybody watching online, everybody in the whole world, is that a crumb is all it takes.